Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. We're in a series called Verses That Changed Our Lives. Each week you will hear from one of our staff members about a Bible story that completely changed them. This week, Peter continues our series by talking about Matthew chapter 7. The goal of the Christian life is to know Jesus. This message was recorded on September 8, 2022 at the Garden Amphitheater at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are. Leave as a new creation. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Um, so first thing is, uh, is it on the board? I can't ever see it. Okay. Yeah, so Chi Alpha Thursday nights, welcome. So this week and next week is going to be the last times we're out here. We're outside. So starting on the 22nd, we are going to be in Columbine Suites at the UC. Uh, if you guys don't know where that is, you just go over where Einstein's is. You see, you go upstairs. Uh, after you go upstairs, you'll see some construction. There will be a pathway to the Columbine Suites. So just go upstairs in the UC, and uh, you'll be able to find us. We'll have some signs up and probably people out there. So, Yeah, okay. How many guys are in small groups? <laughs> All right. Is there's, if there's anybody who's not in a small group, you guys are, like, missing out on, like, 90% of what we do. <laughs> All right. So if you, got, if you are a small group leader, uh, please stand up. Please stand up. Awesome, awesome. So if uh, you're not in a small group, please go to one of these guys or gals, uh, uh, us included, and uh, yeah, we'll get you plugged in, get you, yeah, no, you can go ahead and, I don't know who that is. Go ahead and uh, sit back down. It's one of us. I'm thinking me. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay, so next we have prayer meetings. So on Tuesdays at 5 p.m., they're doing, uh, we're doing prayer roll walks. So we're meeting, is that the bear? We're meeting at the Bear. We're going to walk around campus. We're going to uh, pray for each department. We're going to pray for students. Um, whatever God puts on our heart, we're going to pray for it. Um, so make sure you're there. That's, uh, that's on Tuesdays, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. And then on Wednesdays at 5 p.m., um, I'm going to be hosting a prayer group every Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be meet at the libraries where we're going to start, and that's going to start this coming week. Um, and we're just going to pray over the campus. Um, we're going to pray over our, our own ministry, the other ministries. Um, things like that. So, yeah, make sure uh, you're there. We would love to have you guys. We'd love to have more students uh, get involved in prayer, and that's what we're all about. So, That's right. That's right. Prayer is very important. All right, so next we have our offering. So uh, for you guys uh, who aren't familiar with this, if this is a place where you feel like uh, you are most uh, that you, you you are most fed. We do encourage you to give uh, to the to this ministry. Um, none of this goes to uh, any of us uh, staff. It does not. We don't receive a dime of it. This goes back to you. Goes back to us. Our events. Goes back to our uh, uh, the stuff that we put on um, missions trips, events, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. But it does not go to us individually. Sweet. Okay, so next we have the Chi Alpha t-shirts. Yeah. You guys, these are only $15. This guy's looking pretty good, yeah. but look at Caleb here. Like, this is it, right? So, yeah, 
If you want to support Chi Alpha, <laughs> nice face. If you want to support Chi Alpha, and if you want a really good fitting shirt, uh, go ahead and check out the table. We have them for fifteen dollars. We use Venmo. Uh, you can pay cash. And I don't know what that. What's that third one? CC. Does anybody know what that is? Credit card. Credit card. Oh, look at that. Credit, Credit card. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Next, social media. Go ahead and give us a follow on uh, Instagram, Facebook. We are also on YouTube and uh, Spotify. If you guys miss a week or you want to go back and listen to a message that uh, that you really liked, uh, it's all on pretty much anywhere that you can get podcasts. So it's Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, yeah, go. Uh, and also at our at our website, xaunc.com. Yeah. And uh, with that, if you uh, watch the YouTube videos, you can go ahead and share them on your Facebook account. Um, tag some people in it uh, that you would like to see. Some of these sermons are really good for specific people. If you have people you want to watch, uh, go ahead and tag them and share these videos. They're really good, guys. Um, and then next on that is After Dark, Chi Alpha After Dark. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so what we're going to do is get with your small groups, figure out what you guys are doing as a group. Um, but this is a time for you to intermingle with other small groups, um, not just being guys and then not just being girls, but get to know each other. Uh, it'll be fun and, and figure out what you guys want to do tonight after Chi Alpha. Yeah, we got a pretty good uh, segregation line here. We got dudes in the back and the <laughs> girls up front. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can uh, switch that night. Yeah, but, let's, uh, let's get that mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, next we're going to have Duncan come up and uh, – yeah, he's going to talk to y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's up, guys? Man, it's good to see you. Um, before we get into the message tonight, uh, I want to uh, introduce a friend of mine. So, uh, Nick, you can come on up here. Um, yeah, a lot of you guys know uh, Pastor Nick. B before I give him the mic... Um, Throughout the year, there, there's several churches in town that we really love, we really trust, and we want to encourage you to attend a church on Sundays and Wednesdays and get involved in whatever a local church is doing. See, we on campus, we're um, a college ministry, we're a missions movement, uh, but we don't want necessarily want to be your church we want you to get involved in churches on Sundays. And so throughout the year, we're going to have a few pastors in the local area that we trust, that we love from churches that many of us go to. And so we wanted to start that out this year by introducing Pastor Nick, who's the pastor of Greeley First Assembly. So I'm going to hand it over. Well, thank you, Duncan. Thank you guys for uh, having me out tonight. I appreciate it. My name is Nick, Nick Cedars, so I am the less cool brother of the Cedars family in town. George is my brother, and I know what you're thinking. Um, I am white for a Ugandan, and it's fine. Uh, I'm still working through it. Uh, we moved to the States, and I, that's why I don't have an accent. I was young. Uh, no, there's a better story there, but uh, I am the pastor of Greeley First Assembly. Uh, he's our worship pastor. We got some other great people on staff, and a lot of you called Greeley First Assembly home, so I recognize a lot of faces, yeah, a lot of faces that uh, are familiar to me, so it's good to see you guys on a Thursday night, uh, but a lot of you might not have a church, and so I'm here to just tell you about one of the churches in town that you might have an opportunity to connect to. Listen, if you have a home church and you love that church here in town, 
don't switch your church just because I'm telling you that we're a cool church too. Uh, we're all about seeing people all across the city connected, walking in relationship with one another, and pursuing God as a community. So if you've got a great church, fantastic. Love to hear about it. Love to meet your pastor and uh, graffiti tag their sanctuary one week. Uh, just, no, just messing. So we we are uh, we're a church right down on 16th Street across from uh, Bittersweet Park, more or less. And I'm not going to tell you our mission and vision and all that, but I will tell you that we are really about being a church family. And, and the great thing about our church at Greeley First is that we really have people from uh, every age group, different walks of life, different backgrounds. And because of that, and we really just get to sharpen one another and get a lot from one another. When I was going into my sophomore year of college 10 years ago, uh, we, my, my wife now, she wasn't my wife then, uh, she was, never mind, uh, my then fiance uh, and now wife, we went to visit a church and uh, there was this real tall, lanky, bald, goofy guy uh, that was the pastor, and we ended up connecting with that church, and that relationship with that pastor and his wife and his family was one of the best things that ever happened to me going to college, and connecting with the church and being around older people, younger people, people from different places and different walks of life was so, so encouraging to me, and now uh, I get to be the bald, out-of-shape, lanky, goofy guy uh, for some other people and get to see other people in our church do the same. And, man, if you come to, if you come to GFA from Chi Alpha, we love you guys. You guys are so great. Uh, we love having you in the church, and we love that you encourage the old folks and keep them alive and awake on a Sunday. And the old folks love being your grandparents and your moms and giving you food and gift cards and all that great stuff. So we're about a family. We're about following Jesus together. If you would like to be connected, there's so many ways. Uh, we've got Chi Alpha Cafe on Sundays, so you'll have plenty of familiar faces that you'll see, and, and you know they can take your money too, and it'll all go back to Chi Alpha as well. Uh, so lots of ways to connect. Sunday schools for young adults that George leads. Um, things throughout the week. Uh, certainly don't let it conflict with what you're doing here and your brothers and sisters on campus, but we'd love to be a blessing to you. Uh, last but not least, if you don't have a transportation or means of transportation, I'm sure somebody in the group would love to help you out. If not, we've got a big creepy white van that we pick up people for free. Uh, that's not a joke. I don't know why you're laughing. So thank you guys for having me here tonight. We'd love to see you. If you don't have a home church, find one and get around other people. Yeah, y'all give it up. Woo! After the service tonight, if you've got questions for Pastor Nick, go, go, go find him uh, if he's still here. And man, he's awesome. He's so cool, man. And, and I hope one day when I grow up, I can be like Nick Cedars for sure. So uh, hey, I want you guys to get ready to get rowdy. Rowdy. In fact, let's stand up. Let's stand up. I want to tell you about one of the most epic men on, the, on planet Earth, okay? Okay, we call him Man Honey. We call him the Kloofy Bear. But he's known around my house as Peter Kloof. Would you guys welcome him up? World famous, world famous coffee roaster, right? World famous coffee roaster, preacher, evangelist, missionary, Man, get ready to be, oh, you're going to use that, okay. Get ready to get your socks blessed off by Peter Kluth. Hey, y'all give it up one more time. Woo! Wow, I don't think I've ever received such a, uh, an introduction. Thank you. Thank you for that, Duncan. Man, you guys doing good tonight? First couple weeks of school, treating you well? 
Yeah, can you give me like a thumb? How was your week? Mostly good, some in the middle. All right, I don't see any, any downs, I don't think. That's pretty good. Okay, Johnny. All right. Well, it, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, if you don't know me, well, you know, Duncan just inter- introduced me. Uh, my name is Peter, and I'm on staff here with Chi Alpha. I'm excited to be bringing the word to you guys here tonight. And uh, just a quick intro about me. I am um, married to a beautiful woman, and I've got a little photo, I think, if you can see it, of my family. We have three kids, Luca, Elodie, and our newest, Laurel. She's about a month old. She's pretty cute. You might, uh, you might start seeing her at some point. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be bringing the word to you tonight. We'll be talking about Matthew 7. And uh, before we get into that, I want to ask you guys another question. You guys okay with that? The question? How many of you grew up going to church on, like, at least an occasional basis? Like, at least once a year? A good number? Okay. I just asked that so I can get, a, you know, a feel, a feel for the crowd. I, uh, I grew up going to church most weeks. Um, it was, uh, well, I, we started going when I was, like, five or six, I want to say. Um, so it wasn't like from a really young age, but uh, we started going. It was a small Episcopal church um, in Sedalia, Colorado. Shout out if you know where that is, Johnny. <laughs> and if I'm honest, most weeks as a kid, I hated it. I dreaded going to church. Um, it just, you know, it just seemed to go on and on. And like, it was an Episcopal church, which is like Catholic light. And so there was a lot of, like, kneeling and standing up and say, repeating things. And, and t- you know, to me, it was like, I, I just don't really understand why we're here and when is lunch, you know. I was always really excited to get home and do lunch. Despite this, um, I, I accepted Jesus at a pretty young age. I'm going to try to adjust this. See how that goes. All right. Despite this, I, I accepted Jesus at a pretty young age. I'd say about seven. Just let that lie, lie there. Um, I, I realized that I, you know, was a sinner, that I regularly did things that uh, were not good, that I was getting in trouble, and, like, that was not okay with God. And so I, at, at a pretty young age, I, like, repented and, and accepted Jesus. I remember regularly praying and uh, repenting of my sin from a pretty young age. When I got to high school, though, things kind of changed. I did go to a Christian high school, and um, it was, uh, it was, I actually really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed going to this Christian high school. Um, I get made fun of a lot but from people who know what high school was, because everyone else doesn't like that high school for some reason. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, but while I called myself a Christian, and I would, like, sing the songs. I'd go to youth group. Um, looking back, I see that my will was not really submitted to the Lord. When it came to the way I was living, when it came to the way that I acted outside of church and youth group, my heart was obviously far from God. I only wanted Jesus up until... His desires for my life conflicted with my own desires for my life. 
my will was not submitted to the Lord. Maybe some of you uh, were like I was, or even you currently are that way, Christian in name only. Maybe some of you aren't believers, and you never have been, wouldn't even call yourself a Christian. Um, I want to share with, with those three groups why some of these verses that I'm going to talk about tonight changed my life. What it was about these things that, that kind of woke me up. And, um, and, and you know, maybe, maybe they'll change your life too. That's my hope. So, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, we are going to open up to Matthew 7, 13. If you're the kind of person that brings a Bible to church, to uh, church, yeah, to, to uh, church or Chi Alpha, you can open that up to Matthew 7:13. We're also going to have it on screen. G- this is Jesus speaking. Uh, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you ever, you know, want to read that, it's pretty good. Uh, he says, "Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow!" is the gate, and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Now we're going to skip down to verse 21. uh, Again, Jesus speaking, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce, announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, you lawbreakers. So to summarize Jesus here, first he claims that everybody is on a road, on a faith road. Everyone, every single person on earth. He says some are on a wide road that is easy. The road is broad. It's like, you know, I-25 in Denver. It's wide, Right? You're not going to, like, fall off of that road accidentally. Then he says, some of you are on a road that is narrow, and it's hard to find. Maybe like, you know, one of those small dirt roads outside of Greeley, where, like, if there's another car coming, you have to, like, pull over into the grass so that the other car can get past. He says, the people on the broad and easy road will only find destruction. And those people on that narrow road will find life. So here is he's saying there are true and false roads. True and false roads. Then in the next passage, Jesus says something uh, that when I actually listened to it for the first time, it shook me to my core. I had heard it many times, preached in church, but I'd never really listened. I'd never really considered what Jesus was saying until about college, until I was right where you are. Something that when a Christian hears it, they should take a real deep look at their life to see if they are, in fact, believers. He said there are Christians who are true and false, who talk the talk, who walk the walk, But when it comes down to it, they don't know Jesus. This verse freaked me out (laughs) when I first read it and actually, like, considered what it was saying. It woke me up. 
I realized that if I continued down the path that I was on, that on that day, the day when Jesus comes back, he would say, away from me, I never knew you. Tonight, we're going to take a look at these two passages and why they changed my life. So, first, let's discuss this first passage. Jesus here is claiming something that many in our day and age uh, would be offended by. And maybe you are offended by that. He is claiming to be exclusive. In our inclusive culture, this is frowned upon by most. I want to show you why I think Jesus is right in his assessment of things. Why logically this is true. Some of you here tonight might say you won't believe in something unless there is like hard evidence, empirical evidence for that thing. You might say you don't believe in God because there is no proof of his existence. And I want to present uh, an argument uh, that I, that I uh, heard recently called Pascal's Wager. It's a super interesting argument. Blaise Pascal uh, was a French, a French mathematician who lived during the 1600s, uh, and he was a Christian. But many of his mathematician peers and scientist peers were not. And they actually kind of like mocked him for his faith. Pascal's friends would say this very thing. They would say, you, Pascal, are a man of faith, but we are men of science. We only believe things that are empirically provable. But Pascal would rebut them, saying, everyone trusts in something. Everyone trusts in something. That everyone wagers their life on something. So as an example, this is the, the wager he would give. Let's take two guys. Uh, for the sake of tonight, we're going to call them Christian and agnostic. Pretty, uh, you know, out their names. Christian, believe it or not, believes in God. And uh, he believes in a God who created the universe, who has a standard for living, and that there is a differentiated afterlife. That some people go to live eternally with God, and some people go to hell. Agnostic doesn't buy that. He doesn't think that there is a God, but if there was, that God has got to be far off. Maybe he, like, created the universe and just walked away to get a cup of coffee and we're just, you know, floundering here. If there is a God, he doesn't care too much about us. Agnostic doesn't think there is a standard for living outside of don't harm anyone else. That's his standard for living. He believes there is either no afterlife or an afterlife that everyone goes to no matter what. Pascal says these two people are betting their lives. They are wagering their lives. If the Christian is right, he goes to heaven, and the agnostic goes to hell. The cost of that wager is huge, eternal. If the agnostic is right, both of them either seeks to exist or go to a non-differentiated afterlife. They just both go to this afterlife and chill, right? It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter how they lived. Both of them are gambling their lives on faith commitments, commitments that cannot be empirically investigated, right? You cannot 
empirically prove that there is or isn't a God. A true scientist will tell you this. You cannot prove one, day, one way or the other. One claims to not have faith, but in reality, they're putting their trust, their faith, in themselves, in their own thinking. They can't prove that God doesn't exist or that he, if he does, he's far off, just as the Christian cannot empirically prove that God does exist. They cannot prove that there is no afterlife. I do think there is quite a bit of evidence for a resurrected Jesus that this was a historical event. That's another sermon for another time. Maybe you don't buy that. What about this? Love. When you love someone and you're trying to decide if you're going to marry them, you're making a huge decision based on an emotion, right? You can't empirically prove one way or the other if this person is going to be right for you or not. You just have a feeling about them. And you make a life-altering decision based on that feeling. You are putting your trust in your emotions. That's not to say you don't investigate or gather evidence, you know, like, well, you know, am I attracted to this person or, you know, is this, is, is, do I see us together in the long term? But at the end of the day, you are making a faith decision based on your emotions. Jesus is saying in this passage that everybody has faith commitments. The way you live your life is a belief system. Everyone's on a road. Everyone is basing their life choices off of a whole bunch of things that cannot be scientifically proven or even investigated. And you have chosen to be on one of these roads. One of these roads leads to eternal life, life with God. And the other one leads to eternal death and hell. Now, maybe you're wondering, why is Jesus being so exclusivist? Like, don't all paths lead to God? Right? Many in, your, many in our culture want you to believe that. That all religions are just, you know, different ways up the same mountain. Right? Uh, maybe some of you have heard the, the uh, analogy that all religions are like blind men touching an elephant. Right? One of them touches a leg, and it, oh, this feels like a tree. And one of them touches the, the trunk, and oh, this feels like a snake. And one of them touches the body and, you know, says something else. <laughs> Our culture wants you to believe that. And it's, it sounds like a convincing metaphor. That everything is relative. Believe what you want. We can all be right. But Jesus here speaks directly to this worldview. He says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. It's easy to find this path, but narrow is the road to life. If there was a path leading to destruction, do you think that a, a good God would tell us? This is him telling us. <laughs> There's a path that leads to destruction. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some might say to Jesus, well, you know, Jesus, you can't, you can't go judging other religions. You can't say you're the only way. 
But take a minute and listen to what you're saying. You're saying there is only one way to think about religion. That all paths lead up the same mountain, right? That all paths lead to heaven. You're claiming your worldview is actually superior to mine, which is the exact thing you're saying cannot be true, right? If all religions lead to the same point, but you're saying my religion's wrong, <laughs> anyways, you're saying your religion is better than mine, right? That is a religion. It's a religion. It doesn't have the, the you know, the services. Those are called TED Talks. You're saying your belief system is better than mine because yours is inclusive. But that in and of itself is exclusive. It's excluding my religious beliefs. And I'm OK with that. We all, we all exclude religious beliefs. Every single one of us. There is not a person out there, even the ones who claim that all roads lead to God, they are excluding religious beliefs. I'll name one, Nazism. There is not a single person out there. <laughs> well, I'm sure there are some. <laughs> They're probably not the ones that are saying all paths lead to God, though. <laughs> right? What Hitler did was horrible, and it was deeply rooted in a belief system. But the world has seen Nazism as a whole and has condemned it as an unacceptable religion. Nazism doesn't lead up the mountain. But do you see the problem here? Once you take a critical lens and start examining a religion, where do you stop? Why just that one? Why can't you examine other ones too? There are many belief systems that do not lead you to God. In fact, the majority don't. Now, that is not to say that we can't be tolerant of each other. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We can be civil. We can be friends. We can enjoy each other's company. We can be socially tolerant, physically tolerant, emotionally tolerant of our differences, but that doesn't mean we, can, we have to be theologically tolerant and say all belief systems are correct. We don't have to believe the same things about the world or God to be civil towards one another. I know this sounds offensive to some, but Jesus says there is only one way to life, and it is him. God in flesh, Jesus Christ the king. And that road is narrow, and few find it. And the thing he goes on to say next is that few even in the church find it. You see, Jesus isn't just interested in offending those that hold different positions than him. Jesus says in this next passage, what Jesus says in this next passage is actually meant to offend those that were in his camp. So let's move on. We're going to reread Matthew 7:21 just to refresh it in our brains. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? 
Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. This should, if you are a Christian, this should make you take a look at your life. Notice that Jesus says, on that day, right? That's our, like, key to know that this is on the last day. On the day when he comes back, when he resurrects everyone to judge the living and the dead. On that day. Did you know that we all will stand before God? Every single one of us will stand before God. And he will say one of two things. Well done, good and faithful servant. Or away from me, I never knew you. Clearly in this passage, there are people who have been deceived. Thinking that doing the things of the kingdom will be enough. That if they just do enough, that God will accept them. But here we see that is not the gospel. This is not the truth. In fact, they do not know Jesus, and they aren't doing the will of the Father. I want to be careful here, because I know for a fact that there are many true believers in this group, that there are many people who love the Lord with all of their heart, maybe imperfectly, but that they are true believers. And I, I don't want you to doubt your salvation Okay, but it's important to take a look, to take a look at your own life and see, Lord, is that me? But if you aren't, if that isn't you, or if that is you rather, right, if, if you're one of the ones that God, if you continue down your path, God is going to say, away from me. I pray that you would recognize it and change. So we're going to point out three things about these people um, whom Jesus rejects. And these three things are things that all Christians have. These are things Christians have. If you don't have these three things, you are not a Christian. But if you do have them, then maybe you are. <laughs> Right? These, three, these, these people had these three, these, these three elements. First is correct doctrine. They call Jesus Lord. Right? Like last week, Duncan, Duncan pointed out, uh, the Greek word for Lord is kurios. Right? It means supreme master and ruler. They, on the last day, are saying, Lord, they believe Jesus is God. The second thing. These people are passionate, right? In ancient Semitic languages, when you wanted to emphasize something, you, you said it twice. Lord, Lord, right? Or Martha, Martha, or Peter, Peter. When you wanted to emphasize something, right, there weren't exclamation points in Semitic languages, so you repeated yourself. These people are passionate about the Lord. They are emotionally involved. And finally, they are physically active in their faith. These people do the work, right? They say, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons, and work miracles? That's not to say that 
every Christian is going to be driving out demons or, or prophesying or, or uh, doing miracles, right? Not every single Christian is going to do all three of those things. We all have been given different gifts. But this is to say they are physically active in their faith. They're going to church. They're reading the Bible. They're participating, right? They're not on the sidelines. All Christians have these three things. And if you don't, you may want to reconsider <laughs> if you are a believer, right? Jesus is Lord, correct doctrine to a certain extent, right? Emotional involvement and physical involvement. But just because you have these three things doesn't mean that you are actually true. Some of you have these things but will be turned away because you don't know Jesus. You can look like a follower of Jesus. You can be in ministry. You can say Jesus is Lord, but if Jesus doesn't know you, he will say, away from me. You can even have a powerful ministry as these people did prophesying, casting out demons, working miracles. But if you do not know Jesus, then all of this is for naught. When Jesus says, I never knew you, he is not saying that he doesn't know about them, right? He's God. He knows about everyone. This is a relational knowing, an intimate knowing. You can spout off knowledge about Jesus and not actually know him. You can have me scripture memorized and not actually know Jesus. Right? Just as, like, uh, you know, um, I'm a fan of Switchfoot. Any of you in here a fan of Switchfoot? Right? I know a thing or two about John Foreman. I'm like, he's like probably my favorite musician. But I don't know him intimately. Right? If, if, uh, if John Foreman, like, was sa said, you know, someone was like, hey, who's that guy, and pointed to me, he would say, I have no idea, <laughs> right? Just because I know about him doesn't mean I relationally know him. There are many Christians that their God has become what they do for God. The mission has become their idol. But I want to remind you that the ultimate goal of Christianity is not to evangelize the world. That is not the ultimate goal of the Christian. World evangelism is not your ultimate goal. It's also not to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to do miracles, are all good things. But that is not the ultimate purpose of the Christian. The ultimate goal of the Christian isn't even to become morally perfect, to be conformed to Christ's image. That isn't the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of the Christian is Jesus himself. If you got to heaven and Jesus wasn't there, would it be heaven? Would you want to be there? Heaven is not heaven without God. That is the purpose of heaven. That's why it is merciful <laughs> of God to turn people away from heaven who do not want him. 
if he forced people who did not want him to be around him 24-7, I would not be loving. So do you have Christ? Is your will submitted to Jesus? You see, coming back to my story, I thought that I had done everything right, that I was going to church, I was going to youth group, I was praying, or I had prayed the salvation prayer, reading the Bible, studying scripture, going on mission trips, but I didn't know Jesus. I was going through the motions of Christianity. I had made the things of Christianity into my God. My hope wasn't in Jesus. It was in the things I was doing that I would hopefully appease God enough to let me into heaven. I thought I was a good Christian kid, right? I didn't, I didn't really feel like I needed the gospel. Those drug addicts and partiers and generally bad people, they need the gospel. I don't need the gospel. I don't, you know, I, I didn't drink or do drugs as a kid. Right, I'd say, at least, at least I'm not a drug addict. My sins are small, comparatively. Going too far with my girlfriend, that's, that's not a big deal. Lying to get out of bad situations, everyone does that. At least I'm not a drug addict. I remember my dad would get mad at me over something that I, I didn't do or I had lied to him about, and, and, uh, and I'd be like, Dad, at least I'm not partying. <laughs> Right? Watching porn, everybody does that. God doesn't care too much about that. But what I didn't realize was all of these things, all of those quote-unquote little sins, were outworkings of a heart and a life that were not submitted to God. And the wages of even the smallest sin is death. I did not actually know Jesus. I had not submitted my will to him. And that's not to say that I'm perfect now standing up here, right? Like I, now that I have submitted to Jesus and I know him, that I'm like just somehow amazing all the time. You can ask my wife, I'm not. She will tell you. I did not actually know Jesus at the time. I only went to church because I knew there were cute girls there. I only asked God for forgiveness occasionally because my conscience was guilty and I wanted to feel better about myself. I wanted to live life my way and attach Jesus on the side. I wanted him to be like a little compartment that I could open to feel good about myself and then close it back up when I wanted to do my own thing. And when I read this verse, that Jesus would turn away people who claim to follow him, it was like God was shaking me awake, saying, wake up, stop. It isn't what you do for God or how often you go to church or even how marked up your Bible is. If you don't actually know Jesus, it's all for naught. Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having the righteousness of my own from the law, 
but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Pastor Nick, who was, you know, just up here this past Sunday at GFA, he talked about King Saul. Uh, king Saul was a king of Israel uh, a long time ago, and uh, you can read about him in 1 Kings. God, uh, at some one point, after he had anointed him king, told him to go and destroy the Amalekites, destroy all of the livestock. But King Saul wanted to do things his own way. He brought back with him the king of the Amalekites and a bunch of sheep and cows. And Samuel, who was the prophet of the time, the guy who was speaking for God, was like, why do I hear cows mooing? You were supposed to slaughter them. You were supposed to get rid of all of them. God specifically told you to destroy them. And you brought some back? But King Saul was like, well, you know, I thought I could make a sacrifice. That's, that's what God likes, right? God likes sacrifices to appease him. And, and so Samuel just says, I desire obedience. God desires obedience, not a sacrifice. Why is it that we can think we can just do whatever we want and then say sorry to God later? And he'll just be okay with it. I desire obedience and not sacrifice. Most of you are probably not parents in this, in this uh, area here. But imagine for a second that you're a parent. And you tell your teenage kid to go clean their room. Because uh, it's a disaster. As most teenage kids' rooms was, like myself. Um, and an hour later, he comes upstairs and uh, he hands you a, a drawing that he did. He's like, hey, mom or dad, I love you. Here's a drawing. <laughs> You're like, okay. Did you clean your room? He's like, no, I was working on that the whole time. <sighs> this is great, but can you just do what I've asked you to? Just obey. You see, obedience, doing as Jesus said in this, pil- this parable, the will of the Father, is more important than sacrifice. You say, but God, look at all this good I've done for you in the world. And he will say, but you haven't done what I asked you to in the beginning. I want you, not the things you do. In the very next few verses, which we're not going to read because of time, I've been you know, talking for a while now, um, I'm just going to summarize real quick. Jesus says that the people who hear these words and who do what Jesus says are like people who build their house on a rock. And the people who hear these words and ignore them are like people who built their house on sand. And when the rains come, their house, the house on the rock stands strong. And the, when the rains come, the house on the sand collapses and is destroyed and is washed away. And I don't have time to do a full exegesis on this passage, but I want you to get this from it. The one who builds his house on the rock is the person 
who builds all of their life, their beliefs, their work, their thought life, their emotions, their hopes and dreams on the rock that is Jesus and his grace. And the one who builds his house on the sand builds his house of the same things. On the exterior, they look the same. But one has a foundation that is firm, and the other is like sand and is going to be washed away. We must build our lives on Jesus. He must be Lord. If you, at the end of your life, present a house that is built on sand, its foundation is itself, It has no basis and it won't stand. But the one who builds their house on the rock of the grace of God, they know that they alone are inadequate, that their house, built of the same things, will fall without that rock. That even their repentance is half-hearted, even their striving for God could never measure up to Jesus himself. They recognize that all those things, the driving out of demons, the healing the sick, the miracles are great things, but they don't compare to knowing Jesus himself. So are you on the narrow path or the wide one? Worship team, you can come up. Where are you? Are you on the narrow path or the wide one? Will Jesus say to you, well done, Or will he say, away from me? Have you built your house on the rock or on the sands? If tonight you do not follow Jesus, if you have realized that you are on a broad road to destruction, I want you to know it's not too late. Right? You're young. You have time. Even the thief on the cross, on his deathbed, gave his life to the Lord and was with Jesus on the other side. If you do not know him, it's not too late. Give yourself, your whole self to Jesus. Submit your life to him and you will truly live. And not just in the afterlife, right? The Christian life is filled with joy. It's not just about going to heaven when you die. If that is the case for you, if you want to give your life to the Lord, I want you, before you leave here tonight, to tell someone and have them pray with you. All right? Um, Can I have some of the staff come forward? You can even tell one of these people. Maybe you don't know anyone here tonight. These people love you. They have given their lives to serve this campus, to serve the students here. And that includes you. If you want to give your whole life to Jesus, I want to challenge you to come and pray with one of these people or the person who brought you. Or maybe tonight you realize you are a Christian, you've, you've grown up in church, or maybe you just recently started attending, but your life is not submitted to Jesus, that you don't know him. You've been doing things for God, but you don't actually know him then tonight is your chance to change and to give yourself to the Lord, fully to the Lord. And if you are unsure of whether you have submitted your whole life 
then just take a minute and like ask God, <laughs> am I fully submitted to you? Is there anything that I'm like hiding from you that I don't want you to know about? God knows about it. Yeah. Just give it to him. Some of the questions you might ask yourself is how, how do you handle criticism? When someone criticizes you, does your life fall apart? When you hit storms in your life, does it ruin you? Does it feel like your life is over because of a breakup? You might not be anchored to Jesus. It's, it's okay and it's good to have emotions, right? It's okay to have strong emotions, but it's not okay to think that everything is ending because of a breakup. you might not be anchored to the rock of Jesus. So I want you to give yourself to him tonight and be changed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you are gracious with us. Thank you, God, that you want us. Lord, us humans who, who do most things wrong, who, who are never quite adequate. Lord, you know that. And you accept us the same. Lord, if we will just turn to you and fall, at our, fall on our knees and say, Lord, change me. You will change us, God. And so we, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come. Would you come and pierce our hearts in this moment, Lord Jesus? Pierce our hearts in this moment, God. Change us for the good. Make us more like you, Jesus. We want you in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.